oh, I see. I see. Well, let's start the show. You are now about to witness. Sorry, screen closer. The awesome. Crushing a might of the UGS Robinson and the baby sleeping, so it'll be quiet. A show Stop. Welcome, my friends, to a Father's Day show that never ends. <laughs> Version number V, a one, a seven, goose egg. Oh, I guess that's verboten these days, right? Or is it? We got a little bit of fighting to talk about from last night. A little bit. Scorchy, a tad, a smidgen. But of course, we never stick to the plan or the plot while concealing and then revealing ultimately a different plan and a different plot. But first, as always, since 2007, Bob Riley will sing us in Stigmata, Calling of the Just. The song is called Intro All of Nothing, and the CD is still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they shoot you to death in a nightclub and hit your car with a hammer, as well as getting rid of your pro tem mayor, Kit Sweet. Listen, listen well. I'm taking a real good look at you. At your face. So be in payback and for always nothing. All right. All right, my friends. Sorry, I had to. When the kid's quiet and you, you know, it's just like a guy listening to loud music. It doesn't have the same, same sort of impact. Thank you for showing up on Father's Day. I know several of you are fathers. Um, and, uh, and, and the comments, uh, from last week's show, which I haven't yet had a chance to respond to on the YouTube thing, thing of a Bobby, um, you know, you know, you know, as a writer, you can switch your name, but syntactically, structurally, grammatically, unless you switch your writing style, I know it's you just FYI. This is why witness protection never, ever works. You know, uh, uh, witness protection. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys want to talk about what, what happened to me on uh, if the we'll get into all that. If the uh, uh, sorry, if the shoes fit. <laughs> I forgot the show I did on Tuesday. There was a major problem there. We'll go into that in a bit. So witness protection never works. Sammy the Bull did it. Didn't do it. 
Henry Hill didn't do it. In general, it de- doesn't work. It wouldn't work for you either. Can you imagine being in a situation where you change everything about you that makes you you? It would take a concerted effort, but not that much of a concerted effort. Not that much at all. If I were to disappear tomorrow, presuming I hadn't been murdered by someone, if I were to disappear tomorrow and move to some place and did not want to be found, I would have to move to some place. Well, I would have to move to some place and and not do jujitsu, not be involved in music or art or literature or writing, not lift weights, not go to restaurants. In fact, in fact, if we all wrote up praises, summaries, individual summaries of what we thought like police blotter style would constitute us, and we swap them, it would still be easy to find because we are here because of general shared interest. Like Cameron Earl, who I wrote about, used to be a, a half Gracie black belt, uh, attacked a woman on Christmas Eve, held her at knife point and raped her. Uh, while she wrapped presents for her kids under the Christmas tree. I can think of a few a few more anti-family acts, but they usually involve all of that and then murdering the person as well, as well as the kids. He's in prison right now. Um, but he, while he was on the lam, at first they got him for attacking some woman in the Safeway parking lot. And they said, well, this guy has tattoos. I, so I don't think the guy attacked me had tattoos. She didn't know, um, wasn't sure. Um, and so he, he went on, the police were maybe looking for him. He went on the lam. Where does he go? Well, what does he know? He like supposedly 3000 miles away, rolls into a jujitsu academy. He's got the ears. Like, I don't have the ears as much. Sarau is trying to give me the ears, but I don't, you know, he's always elbowing me in the side of the head. I don't like it. You know, I won't refuse to wear headgear. Don't wear a mouthpiece either now at this point, because I'm an idiot. So the guy rolls in there, puts on a white belt, which technically sort of you're supposed to do. You don't be, you can't be, you're brown belt. You don't go rolling into another school sport in your brown belt. You know, you just take whatever they give you. He's, he's a white belt and he's tapping black belts. And enough so that people said, who is this white belt? They did a little research. They found out it was him. They turned him in. It's hard to change your habits is my point. It's hard. Guys at the risk of dying. These guys, all these cats who go states, who, who, who go witness protection, they fucking hate it. Uh, Frankie Pantangela in Godfather Part Two says his best is boring. It's boring. What are we, what are we, Henry Hill said the same thing. It's boring. What, we, you, you get addicted to certain things. And what you get addicted to is, again, the mythos back from two shows back of you. I say that to say <laughs> happy Father's Day to you good fathers. Welcome to version uh, uh, version 170 of the Eugenius Robinson Show. Uh, let's start with the commercials. Let's start with the commercials. Uh, <laughs> that's great. You guys are very funny. You know, I, I, gave, I, I gave the cash app and I talked about, ah, man, it's just, it's, I have to figure out each time how to get the money out. It's, it's kind of funny. So naturally I get, I get, I get cash at requests from some of you. So cat uh, or uh, donations. So it's a dollar sign. Uh, here, I'll just show you. 
dollar actually i'll write it so you you have it if you if you care for cash app um oopsie <laughs> not not what you want to hear from your pilot or the guy running the show oopsie um let me see get it man i, I need to get i need to get what, what whole gain has 130 million dollars but then actually somebody to do all the tippy typing uh there you go this is that is cash app these are the commercials. So if you don't dig on commercials, then you just wait a second. And then what's the Venmo? <laughs> because one of you fools is said to be Venmo too. It's very funny. It's, you know, you're making an old man work, which is kind of fundamentally what I need to be doing anyway to keep my mind active, which is what they say. And of course, now I cannot find, I cannot find, maybe I'll put it under, ah, naturally, I cannot find whatever it is. So anyway, patreon.com slash the stomper or stomperville, still can't remember which, or um, uh, is a way to donate money for the show, or Tommy LB, Tommy Pounds way, which is straight through the old, the USPS. Is that it? Yeah, USPS, United States Postal Service, always works. So uh, let, let, let's let's get into the show. If you If you have subscribed already and it's free, don't uh, a friend of mine has moved to a sports agent extraordinaire. Salvatore Russo has moved to Miami and walks into Mario Sperry's gym. And uh, he says, I was going to train there, but then they want me to, to buy the, the, the local gi. You know, I got like a $2,000 worth of gis around. I want to be able to wear my own gi. Finally, he rolls back in and says, I will buy as many of your gis as they want. And he said he could see the guy's eyes light up. He goes, but I got to be able to wear my own gi some of the time. I got $2,000 invested in these gis. I'm not just getting rid of them. And so they said, the guy said, well, let me talk to Mario Sperry about it. I'm guessing Mario Sperry will say no, um, but <laughs> it seems like a strange a strange ask. But, you know, when you become a fighter over closing in on 50, you have strange ask. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, where was I? It happens. It happens. Uh, uh, okay. So here we go. So, um, 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 so 170, uh, Eugene S. Robinson.substack.com. Right. So, Eugene S. Robinson.substack.com is where we get the kickoff today on the Father's Day piece. Now, now I've written about my father before. Those of you who, who have remembered, uh, um, uh, in not, not a very complimentary, complimentary way. Um, but I always want to do, I always want to do a tribute to fathers on Father's Day, especially the good fathers, because to, I don't think a Father's Day has gone by over the last you know, couple of decades where I haven't trained. And I usually train at a time that's really uncomfortable for most people. 7 a.m. on Sunday, nobody wants to really be there. But dudes who are fathers roll in and they're like, I, I, I have a hard time describing like it's uh yeah we got all that whole shoulder your burden without complaint thing, but dudes who roll in you, you know the father I mean it is hard for the generation of men post sixties where we got all that Rosie Greer stuff about it's all right to cry even big boys do it where we got all that stuff um um you know and and still do the the, the shouldering your burden without complaint thing but frankly. Nobody wants to hear you complain. Nobody. Specifically, your kids and your wife, they goddamn sure don't want to hear you complain. Right. So on the one hand, we like we want men that are communicative. 
who, if the guy's stomping around the house, pissed off about something, can actually articulate what it is that he's angry about so the kids don't go, oh, my God, it's me. The wife doesn't say, oh, my God, it's me, that they can actually sort of articulate what the fuck is going on. But at the same time, that's all that's all the talk they want out of you. Like uh, Sunhouse says, they, 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 um, they don't want, or was it Sunhouse or was it? Uh, uh, I can't remember. It's an old blues guy. They, they don't want no talk out of you. <laughs> they don't want no talk out of you outside of that. So it's a very like it's like you look and you know, and and the, this is an uncomfortable comparison. But I remember reading a description from a, a, a sex trafficker uh, who was a pedophile, and they were at Disneyland, and they were that place. It's full of fucking pedophiles. And the journalist who was interviewing them says, well, you're just saying that. You don't, you don't know that. And the guy goes, I'm a pedophile. I can tell you. There's full of pedophiles. Well, how do you know? And he says, well, because, and he gave a breakdown. He says, he talks about crowd dynamics and that most people in the crowd who are walking through crowds of other human beings, which we haven't done for a while, most people, you know, I'm six foot one. Most, I, I'm, I rank order of appreciation, shit that's six foot one. You know, and then, you know, threat level, like, uh, okay, I get men who are five foot three still could be possible threats, good with knives. So I'm paying attention. Stuff under five, five foot three, I don't really see. Outside of an occasional glance down, like I don't want to run into somebody's kid. I don't want to step on somebody's kid. An occasional glance down, I don't want to get attacked by a dog. Most of my energy, if you were to look like a fight metrics thing, to look at where we're looking, I, I'd say most of it's in here. Right. And if you're a man, it's because of threat assessment level. It, the, the pedophile said, you know, he would look down. And as he was looking back up, he would catch the eyes of the other people who were looking down. These grown adult males weren't looking at children because they loved kids or rather they were looking at children because they loved kids. You had I remember Ms. Gannam, math teacher in high school. Uh, who had a fantastic body. She was reprimanding me and a good friend of mine, Mark Pishko, at the same time. And we could kind of see down her shirt. And I know, okay, I'm not supposed to be looking down her shirt. I got it. And we look up and we both catch eyes at the same time. And we know. It's like, God, who knew she's got this crazy great body, right? So the fathers we can show up and this father, I'm talking about, you know, we're talking guys 40 and they're 50. We have this understanding. Yeah, we have a sense of the '60s. If you're if you're Gen X or you know somehow younger, you got a sense of you know for you to go home and to wash dishes, no big thing. Take out the go, you know. Help. All that stuff is hardwired into you now, and yet, <laughs> and yet, when it comes time for a pat on the back, it's like Chris Rock jokingly said, "What do you want? A cookie? You're supposed to be doing this stuff." And we don't want a cookie, but you know. Nobody's writing hip hop songs about their dads, right? And there are a lot of complicated reasons for that. You know, no Mother's Day. Look, Mother's Day is 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 a big deal for good reasons. I've heard people almost murder people because of some shit they said about their mother. I don't know anybody who's almost murdered anybody because of shit that they said about their father. You know, and and noticeably, and I've been on about this for a long time, and I talk about it in the Substack. No, noticeably. You know, fathers are, are, have become media dupes and stoops for the last long time. Ralph Cramden, and I talk about this in the piece, you know, Ralph Cramden 
<laughs> Mr. 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 E. K. is in. Ralph Ralph Cramden was you know well-meaning, but the, the, the was bumbling and all straight through. Cliff Huxtable, even outside of the dark side side shadows of the actor playing him, was you know with the silly faces and the sweaters and the, the you know these these you know emasculated men, which of course canary in the coal mine mine style forced the fathers who were sensitive to this and wanted to reject wanted wanted to respond. In, into hyper-defensive mode and over-responding. And then you have the Iron John movement, the men's right activism, guys in the, in the woods beating drums and hugging each other and crying about their fathers. And that, to my mind, it w- was like, I'm having a problem with heroin. I know, I'll take more heroin. This is, <laughs> this is not, not what... So the look that's exchanged is like, like that 70s book, that 70s pop psychology book, I'm okay, you're okay. Or more specifically, are you okay? My response, I'm okay. Are you okay? I'm okay. We're okay, right? We're okay. We're nice to our wives. We talk to our kids. We pay attention. We look them in the eyes. We don't gamble away, fucking fritter away. We're we're doing okay, right? We're all doing okay. Two hours later, leave jujitsu, emboldened with the idea that, like a friend of mine's father once said to his kid, a friend of mine used to live in his Mustang, and the court was trying to take his kid away, and uh, uh, you know his family said, "We're Hawaiians, we don't do that." They took in his kid, and at one point, the dude was crying on Father's Day, and he said, "Kid, I'm not the greatest father, but I'm the only father you got, and I'm trying." And and his kid. Great, great. They have a great relationship. She's an adult. She's like in 40 now. <laughs> um, and he's my age, right? Because he had her when he was 18. So, um, so trying. Now, the father said, don't try. This day is not for you. Speaking of which, I got to call my stepfather today. This day is not for you. You don't try. This day is not for you. And you were completely missed by the media. You're not the happy, bumbling Everybody loves Raymond. That's not you. Maybe you're more like that movie, The Stepfather. Cats murdering the whole families, you know, guys who are absent or withholding, or like I talk about in the Substack thing, like William Faulkner. Nobody remembers Shakespeare's daughter. Uh Uh-huh. You know. Now, I know a guy, I know a guy, uh, let me see, I don't want to give away his whole shit, and I don't really want to talk about this because I'm going to cannibalize some of this stuff for my my, my next novel, um, but he, let me see if I can give you the Reader's Digest version of it. He was married to a much younger woman. She wanted to have a kid. Um, he didn't want to have a kid. She got pregnant as a result of an affair and and said, I'm not getting rid of the kid. You don't want to have a kid, I want but I don't want a divorce. He goes... I'm not going to, you do realize, you do realize that if I assume the mantle of father for this kid, even though biologically it's not my kid, I'm on the line if we break up four years from now to, to finance this kid through, where's the father? And the father was like the diametrically opposed, I mean, clearly diametrically opposed to, to, to this guy. And he's, I don't want to get divorced, but unless you get rid of this kid, this knuckleheads kid, I got to. And he had, had, had to leave her, had to leave her. The fact that he even went through that process and thought about it and like was his dedication in my mind as a husband, 
maybe not the best husband in the world if the wife felt some kind of compulsion to, to step out, but she really wanted a kid. And he really didn't want to have one because he had just gotten out of a thing where he had just made the last payment on an 18-year commitment to somebody else when he was young and got pregnant. So this whole father thing is super complicated. On Father's Day, lots of us have weird, weird sensations. If you read the Substack piece, you see I go through some of those. And, and, and I mean, you know, you know what? <laughs> in a way that people don't, you know, you, you might have. It's just mothers are different. It's just a different. It's just a different scenario. Even if you have a bad mother, there's a guy who I know called me one time as a result of the show and was like, um, um. And it depends on the sex of the kid, uh, Mr. I.S., whether the father, the but I'd say that the best parent should be raising the kid. I can't really tell you whether it's the mother or the father. It depends. Um, but I, but I, I have a strong, I, you know, uh, you really can't. You really can't tell. I mean, I, I am. Am I more sensitive about gender issues um, because uh, my mother was strong and present in my life or because I got four sisters? And now four daughters and tons of aunts and female cousins. Or would I be, you know, with the, generally what that means is all that obvious macho shit like, like uh, Mickey Rourke says as, as Charles Bukowski in Barfly, obvious macho energy. I, don't, I, I find myself kind of immune to that. You know, I can walk the walk. I do jujitsu, I get the guns and none of lifting weights. But generally to me, it's like cosplay, right? Cosplay. So uh, this guy wrote me, he said, uh, I murdered my mother. And I was about to like, yeah, man, you know, bro, I get lots of, and I go, wait a minute, did she deserve it? Which is a tricky question. It's a, it's a tricky and sophisticated question. And I don't give myself credit. It just popped out of my head, out, in my head, out of my mouth. And the guy goes, well, let me tell you. And told me the hair raising story about abuse, 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 and that which he then was starting to extend. He was the, the son of a father that she had gotten rid of, and she took it out on him. Had a younger brother, half-brother, who uh, he, she was also going to begin systematically abusing, and he got to be 12 years old, and he goes, I can't, no, got to kill her. Shot her in the head. Heavy story. Um, I don't know if he still listens to the show, so I hesitate to mention his name, but we did publish it. We uh, did publish it. So, um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated thing and it's tied very much into conceptions of masculinity, which is kind of what this, what this show is about. And there's certain cats and I don't want to talk shit about these guys because I don't fucking know them, but you know, from Jocko Wilnick to Henry Rollins to Hojo Gain, these guys form this kind of, this kind of daisy chained, um, trinity of cats who, who have, who are somehow malformed. If you dig deep enough, at least in the case of, well, in two of those cases, if you dig deep enough, you find that there was uh, chaos and early abuse, um, usually meted out by a, a father figure. Uh, Hogan had this horrible kind of bullying thing that, of course, completely has affected his worldview in my mind as an armchair psychologist. Rollins has documented abusive father, as well as being sexually abused by uh, an uh, older coach, I think. Uh, he, he's maybe not direct about it, or maybe I haven't kept up enough. I don't know enough about Jocko Willick. So they speak to the wounded male in wounded males. 
you know, but I started to think, well, how come, you know, last week they asked me to write a memoir, Feral Press and Process Media, which I finally agreed to. And, and she said, I said, what kind of memoir to Christina Ward? I go, what kind of memoir do you see this being? Because I don't want to write a bunch of shit that you don't want. I mean, I could just tell you filthy sex stories from beginning to end. I said, there's the memoir. So what do you want? She goes, well, I like how when you talk about your life, you do it without without the kind of sentimentality that Mars books like Jerry Stahl's Permanent Midnight or because you know, my story is not about at least drug addiction. So the uh, people who have drug addiction issues, I think mostly are addicted to guilt. <laughs> it's not really the drug. It's the guilt thing that they love. Right. Some lapsed Catholic weirdness. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, not pointing fingers. I'm just saying what it seems to me like. She goes, so you do so without sentimentality. And, 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 I, and I like that. And the difference between me, uh, Hogan, outside of $130 million, or Rollins or Wilnick, is that, uh, you know, I, or how about when the dude, the record label dude said to me, hey, did you see the video of Danzig getting knocked out by Danny Mariano from the Northside 40s, Kings? And I said, yeah. He goes, would that kind of fuck up your whole shit? I go, I, I talk constantly about getting beaten up. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, you know, I have macho trappings, but the facade is not, not macho. I write about losing all time. I write about loving my kids or crying in public. Like, this is not strange or foreign or, 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 or not male to me, right? Um, you know, it, uh, uh, I, I don't, I, so the wounded men are attracted to the wounded men, but the people who who listen, who who stick to this show, or buy the fight book, or 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 directly who Christina Ward at Feral Press Process Media is thinking that she's going to who will be interested in this book are people who 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 can look with a, a cold and unsparing eye at the nature of their condition. And uh, Tommy, Tommy LB will like this. I was rereading one of the letters he had written to me and he had talked about, and it was uh, on the, the occasion of the discussion about revenge and justice. And I, I'm sure he won't mind me sharing a little bit of it where he talked about, you know, five years ago, something happened that I could have, where I was in that sa- at that same crossroads and could have done something that would have put me in prison for life. And I just, he goes, he just decided to what? Okay, the brittle male who is trying to kind of structure a, the sense of self, a mythos that is impenetrable, you know, breaks, does whatever it was that he was alluding to, goes to jail for the rest of his life. The, the rest of us, those of us on this side, the cold, unsparing, will look at like that table and taxi driver that two times that Travis Bickle does when he's with Betsy. And he washes his hand. Scorsese likes it, washing his hand across the desk, as, waves his hand across the desk as he's looking at all the things on the desk and says, there's no reality to any of this. That's us. I had horrible things happen to me too. But who's here? Don't feel any, you know, I mean, Hogan, maybe, you know, I'm not sure about the nature of his early life chaos and, and, and the abuse thing. But clearly he made a couple of decisions like I made, like that's never going to happen again. And immediately began. But, you know, I'm still <laughs> I'm thinking more about Hogan and the uh, uh, Hogan versus the feminists and the feminists in this YouTube video happens to be Lydia Lunch, how he, he was responding so negatively to her being patronizing. 
I don't really respond negatively to people being patronizing to me. <laughs> because the fact that I recognize it means I'm already a step ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> and usually I find it to be comedic. All right. So, so this is this is this is this is where we this is where we are this is where we are uh, on Father's Day, and, and like I said last week's show, I, I really I know I was they say you don't draw a picture of the devil on the wall. There's the the old expression about you don't draw a picture of the devil on the wall, and I I know I was tempting fate to say with a public life that goes back to 1980 longer if you consider how long I've been like going on auditions and doing plays and. And shit like that. It goes on for a long time. And me being a, a pretty frank talking guy, that somehow you would never put my name in the same sentence with James Franco or, you know, Kevin Spacey or Bill Cosby, Harry Weinstein, or, you know, guys who are out there fucking getting cancel culture. Guys that see the whole Joe Gain and Bill Burr, who I, I love Bill Burr, seem so fucking worried about. I have to think it's an affectation with Bill Burr that it's just something to talk about. I would hope that his comedy routines for the next month are still not going on. Like you can't say anything these days. I've been saying everything since 1940, 1940, sorry, 1980. Nobody gives a shit. Why? Well, largely because I'm not a dick. Well, how do you know that you're not a dick? Well, the facade is not, you could see a video of me getting knocked out by a guy backstage and you might laugh. You might have some sympathy. You might go, but you wouldn't say this image of Eugene Robinson as an ultimate badass is over for me, like the, some people did with Danzig, because I never had it. Like Lou Reed said to Terry Gross, I'm just trying to make the rent. So it's refreshing to see, like, the Gowlighter General appeared on his own podcast, uh, won't back down. <laughs> won't back down. I fucking love this guy so much, you don't even know. This podcast is called Won't Back Down. <laughs> Won't Back Down. Talking to Anderson Silva and having a moment. Like, listen, let me tell you something. Uh, let let me, um, there was a period there in which, you know, mo- most like Jerry Stahl, we all have our problems. You, you scratch the surface a little bit and we all have issues. We all have, we, 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 we all have, uh, we all have weirdnesses, right? And there's a guy who let me, guy took me in. It's like that great scene from The Equalizer where he talks about the Russian guy who takes in the orphan kid and then the Russian guy is, you know, murdered and the family's murdered and they find some things that not many things have been stolen, but kind of trinkets that a kid would take. And you're not sure whether Denzel Washington is talking about the guy he's talking about or it's just a story that he expects the guy to know and it's allegorical. Well, in this instance, let's just say it's allegorical. And, uh, 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 the guy's uh, uh, girlfriend and I, um, we, we never had sex. So let's get that out of the way. But the guy took me in, was living with his fiance, and, you know, took me in. And uh, it almost, I almost ended up having sex with this. They broke up. They broke up in a separate issue. And then his best friend approached me and said, ah, you know, dude broke up, maybe. And then, and then she and I almost, and, and at one point he was he was talking to me and I could see an understanding in his eyes that that um, I could see he had understood what kind of person I was, at least at that period of time. 
me being able to see that and not being Danzig-esque about it allows me to say, listen, man, I need to talk to you and explain exactly how fucked up I had been and apologize. You know, I put up, if you follow me on, if you follow me on Instagram and if you're trying to follow me on Instagram and I haven't okayed you, it's because you're restricted. You got to unrestrict it for a day and I'll, I'll look in, make sure you're not a spy and then I'll let you in. But if, if you sent me a request, I know Mr. AS, one of you has, um, not Abraham and Strauss, but the other Mr. AS, I won't, I can't, every time I go, you're restricted. I can't let you in. But I put up this thing that Kasha had sent is like, apologize like your Zodiac sign. And of course my Zodiac sign is Virgo. And the guy just sat there staring at the camera. I've apologized maybe twice or three times over the last 30 years because I'm really deliberative about what I say. And so if I'm actually going through the trouble of saying it, there's nothing to apologize for. But this guy, I apologize to. Apologize to him. So like I was a little bit out of my mind there, man. I'm sorry. I, you know. And he was like, you know what? It means a lot to me that you did that. He, he revealed that he knew. And he goes, you know, I had those problems myself. 100% understand. Our relationship is uh, existent to this day. This is many years ago. We still have a, a, a relationship, friendship. And it's like, I've said before, if I put the steak down on the floor and then leave, I expect that Popeye would eat the steak in my absence. But I'd be pleasantly surprised if he had not. So that Chris Weidman, the Gowlighter general, somehow, um, uh, you know, so <laughs> I'm just laughing about the, the slipping in the pee-pee thing <laughs> because, of course, the sports agent extraordinaire Salvatore Russo, his his brother did that, Wore used to wear a white suit to some of the casinos in Atlantic City, and because he was a heavy-duty junkie, he pretty much had very loose bowel control and uh, slipped on the floor. He, so he sees a little mop sign, says, you know, the, the floor, the wet floor, slips, fucking voids his bowels on the way down. So he's got this white suit with a big spray of shit all over his pants. He's complaining, oh, my eye. And the casino takes him into the back room, give him a towel, let him clean up. They send out his clothes out to be clean. And then the floor manager comes on and says, look, uh, it's terrible what happened to you. Our suit, your suit will be here in an hour. We'll get it clean for you. And uh, we're going to give you some money for your troubles. We'll give him like, you know, two grand. So if we ever see you here again, we'll kill you. Because <laughs> they suspected, they suspected that. So that's why I'm laughing, that he had manufactured the whole thing. And of course he had. And they sent his photo all to all the casinos. Says you can't come in here. You can't come in here. We, we, we got you. So here's the money. Go, you know, you might have a gate, but take, take. And he was more than happy to take the money and use it to buy heroin immediately. Good day for him. So um, that that Chris Weidman, um, uh, that Chris, that Chris Weidman, that that something had happened in his head enough, and it didn't take much. It didn't take much. If 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 <laughs> if I happen to be in a car that hit another guy. My level of sympathy for that car that hit that guy would probably increase if I happened to get hit by a car as well. All right. 
I mean, however, I wonder if, I wonder if his post-Anderson Silva record of success had been more notable. If he would have taken the time, if he would have taken the time to cogitate, return to, and somehow have that moment with Anderson Silva. And this is why I tend to believe that failure breeds a failure breeds a better breed of human. Look at the celebrities that I like. You don't hear too much bad shit about the celebrities I like because the celebrities in general that I like are, are in two categories. They're either cats who hit very late in life. I'm talking about a Joe Pesci. Hit very late in life. You know Joe Pesci's a great singer? That was his first thing. He was trying to sing. Hit late in life. Danny DeVito, late in life. Or people who have hit super early in life. I haven't heard too much shit about this guy, but I, like, I generally like Ryan Gosling. Hit pretty early. Mouseketeer or some shit like this, right? Keanu Reeves, hit early. There's some cats who hit early. Yeah, I get mixed feelings about it. I'm generally like kind of Lawrence Fishburne, but, you know, I interviewed him. Yeah, I don't got to talk shit about Lawrence Fishburne. Hit early, 14 years old, used to live down the street from me on, on Rutland Road in Prospect Park, or in, in Flatbush. All right. So, so that Weidman does this, it, it's, it's, um, there's a point at which, you know, you guys are all fundamentally coworkers, you know, and your coworkers in a place, in a workplace, it doesn't really care about you very much. And the number of people who, like I said, the, the cage locks and the person who's most significant to you for at least 15 minutes or sometimes 25 minutes is that cat who's in there with you who's not dressed in black. Say what you want about the Gallaudet General. In my mind, um, um, that was that 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 was nails. I liked it. I liked it. And, and people, somebody, one of you texted me and was like, "It seems like he's kind of self-aware. Does that remove him from 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 the Lost Battalion?" And I almost agreed. Because I came at it backwards. Like he sent it to me. I look at the clip. I'm not really paying attention to too much. I almost agreed until a camera pulled out a little bit. And I discovered the show was called Don't Back Down. (laughs) And I go, that's the way you stay GG. That's the way you stay fuck. Don't back down. Boom. That's it. Dude is there forever. And I mean, even if he reveals, even if it's subsequently revealed that he was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm working a hustle. Still hats off to you, man. That's your, you own it. LB forever. Don't fuck around. Lost battalion, bro. Now, Anderson Silva had a boxing match against a, a missed weight Julio Cesar Chavez and uh, uh, Jr., and I have to say, this also ties in in a way that we have a light motif through this entire show on Father's Day. His father, my favorite moment of his father is when uh, he's, fight, he's fighting Thomas Hagen, who says, I don't know, 100 fights. Yeah, 100 fights. I don't know who he's been fighting. Maybe Tijuana cab drivers. 
<laughs> and you could see, you could see Julio Cesar Chavez, not the son, the father, you know, get that thing inside. And if you've ever been in a combat situation and you know you've stepped over a fucking line. I, I was talking to some, we were talking about boxing yesterday. Had a, had a kid's party to go to, talking about boxing yesterday. And I was telling the guy about uh, my, my boxing coach when I was younger. All right, the dude was 65. I, I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember how old I was. I was in my 20s at this point. And he goes, get your mouthpiece. I knew I'd cross the line, but at the, you know, I was whatever. Let's see, you now I was 25, so I was already like 205. What the fuck is this? Oh, fuck this old guy in my head. Dude hits me with a body shot. You know how bad that body shot was? No windup. No windup. It was like a Borbondo kick, if you remember Borbondo, but it was a to the mid. It was so hard. I never went back. <laughs> it was two. It was like two blocks from here, from where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> That's how fucking hard it was. That shit rocked me to my core. I didn't drop, but I could feel it was like it was like that game Operation, and you hit you t- hit the sides, and everything turns red and lights up. I could feel my liver. You don't want to feel your liver. So, so, um, so he get the same look that the coach had when he said, "Get your mouthpiece." I don't know why he said, "Get the mouthpiece," except he's not like he's going to hit me in the face. Except he was pre-notifying me of his intent to hit me. So Julio Cesar Chavez, the father, beats the fuck out of Thomas Haugen. Like, clearly could have knocked him out, decided not to do that. Beat him for all either 12 or 15 rounds. And they ask him about that afterward. And they specifically address his comment about Tijuana cab drivers. And Hagen goes, eh, they must have been very tough cab drivers. I never really heard from Hagen after that either. That's the kind of cat Julio Cesar Chavez is. Now, I'm not saying in this in this in the seesaw battle, this endless kind of, you know, contest between the fathers and sons that that as a father, uh, fathers are not always right. As a son, sons are not always right. But you got to know that it was probably a mark of some sort of personal chagrin that the son came badly uh, 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 missed weight. I don't know how involved senior was with junior's uh, fight training. Don't know. But uh, I do know that this was that this was this was competitive in a compelling way that the Paul brothers will never be able to attain. And I think the payday will reflect that. And you have all these guys. I mean, you know what this is like? This is like this is like a barroom situation where like one guy is looking at one half of the room and the other guy is looking at the other half of the room. They go, I'll kick all your fucking asses. I'll take you all on. I'll beat the shit out of you. I'll beat you, you, anybody, all of you. And then they finally bump shoulders in the middle. Bump backs, sorry, in the middle. 
and they turn around and one guy is MMA and one guy is boxing. And that's what's happening now, except in certain circumstances, what boxing needs that MMA has are the eyes. What MMA has a boxing needs. No, what boxing has, what MMA has that boxing needs are the eyes and the frisson of new, exciting, badass, world's biggest badass. Making no mistake, people, Francis Ngannou, you, Deontay Wilder, Bronze Bomber, fucking Tyson Fury, when nobody's imagining that those guys are going to last with Francis Ngannou. Even as deficient as he is on the ground, if he gets him to the ground, the fight's over. They don't do ground. Boxing is a very specific science, they say. But the persona of the new, exciting, and badass, on the, what they need is what MMA has. What MMA needs badly, cash, the kind of boxing cash. And part of boxing's cash has to do with its exclusivity. You know, people who are in the boxing, we're not into anything else, just boxing. And they will pay $5,000 for seats on the floor, a seat. Have you seen those expensive seats? I've been in Media Row and seen those expensive seats. You know what they look like? They look exactly like the seat that I was sitting in in Media Row. It's like when Apple had this thing, the red button app, that the only reason the red button was there was to show people that you'd spent $5,000 on that app. Apple, Apple finally said, this is ridiculous and ostentatious. We're getting rid of it. Folding chairs. Exactly. Exactly right. So, you know, so, uh, so they both have something that they need. And, and, and I'm not castigating the Paul brothers because what they're doing is um, fundamentally s- s- sounding a klaxon cry to focus the attention on shit that need in a way that's more significant than anybody's been able to do thus far, cash value. How do you ascribe value to some of these things? I mean, you ever you ever you ever have some guy give you an estimate for something and wonder how, you know, how I had an electrician come in. I had some electrical problems. The guy looks at it and goes, that'll be $80. How does he come to that number? How does he come to the number? All of this shit is is based on a theory of abstract. There's no, look, if I go buy a tank of gas, that's not abstract. There are real metrics associated with that tank of gas. How much it costs to get it to market, how much it costs to get it to the ground, what happens in the global situation, and that the people, am I being undercut? It's like the stock market in action. But there's a lot of fuzzy stuff, and this gets me, as a journalist, gets me screwed up. So people say, what's your hourly weight, rate? The fuck, what do I know? I got to ask a few friends, what do you charge? What do you charge? I don't want to say 100 if everybody is saying 50. But I don't want to say 50 if everybody else is saying 100. These are free-floating things. But we can look at percentages. And we do know that 17% is punishing. Yeah, there's a formula for some of that. For, for some of that, you can you can figure it out for plumbing, electric, but it's still kind of sort of abstract with boxing. Are you kidding with combat sports? How much is it worth? How much is that 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 chair next to the media table? How much is that worth? We're seeing the same fight. Not only are we seeing the same fight, but if you've ever been on the floor at the fight, nobody's watching the fight with their own eyes. We're all looking up at the jumbotron. All of us, all of us, all looking up at the jumbotron. 
So, you know, so, um, hey, hey, look, you know, I, I, I think that I think, and who is it? Who is it? So you got Oscar De La Hoya is fighting who in September? Vitor Belfort. This is this is there's nothing but good. Look, listen, listen, listen. Yeah, Floyd Floyd Mayweather. Um, I I felt better, even if he had lost. I felt better watching Anderson Silva and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Than I felt watching any of the uh, Anderson Silva's last few MMA fights, and I think you'll say that you'll be able to say that about all these cats, because at the very least, it redounds to they're getting paid well. That's it. I mean that the Anderson Silva with the number of kids he has, we don't know he's going to have to be going to trade shows, signing autographs, and trying to sell his old belts. That actually makes me that 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 makes me. Feel happy. So not only these two guys who bump in the center of the bar, you know, who bump backs in the center of the bar, realize I could do something for you. You could do something for me. It's one thing to realize and something else completely different to actualize, and they're actualizing it. And the only thing, do you notice that the volume, nobody's turned down the volume on the bald one, but suddenly you can't hear him. He actually came out and said, Paul, uh, Jake, Paul, Logan, Paul, I just call him Paul at this point. I can't remember who. Paul goes, um, Paul goes, he said, Paul and Woodley are fucking lying. Paul and Woodley are lying, huh? (laughs) Pot, yes. Meet Kettle. Oh, Kettle. (laughs) I'll never have anything to do with women's M&A. Women's M&A. Just stop. The volume is not turned down. We just can't hear you anymore, bald one. Nobody believes that. So let you expect us to believe that Ben Askren got the same amount in that fight that he just got knocked the fuck out as he got his last fight for you. You know that that's not true. You know even the biggest bald one nut jumper doesn't believe that to be true. We don't. It's like for years, AMA, American Medical Association, said steroids don't work. And everybody was like, yeah, so anyway. (laughs) Well, really what they said is there's been no medical studies done that prove steroids work. That's very different. You haven't been able to get the funding to do a medical study for it. That's fine. Dude over here six months ago was bench pressing 135. Now he's doing 315 for reps. Don't tell me this shit doesn't work. Something's ha- magical, mystical weight fairies or booing the weight up. Stop it. Lie all you want. You're going to have to address this because it's an abstraction, but 17% is not. You can fuck around with statistics, but you can't change it 17%. Not when the NFL, NBA, MLB is given 50%. I don't have a $36 million beach house, but I imagine if I had a $36 million beach house, my worries would be few. I might be able to live with, mm, how about this, 80%. I might be able to live with that. 
of course, stockholder value now. It's a publicly traded company. Stockholder value, are stockholders going to complain? You know, I have one of these things around here I have I cleaned up, so I have a hard time finding these things. One of these things that you can, uh, it's from some, some Charles Schwab or something, where you can, you can invest in socially responsible stock trading. That are stifled in one of these companies. That's one of the things they do. Now, I read my statement to see if I'm being robbed every month, but I'm not checking the buys to see the backgrounds of the companies. They could be selling blood diamonds for all I care. But, sorry, for all I know. Freudian slip. For all I know, I care. The bald one, just stop talking. Stop talking. You're not helping. You're going to discover that that first shareholder meeting that you have. God love you guys. Buy one share of UFC stock so you can show up at the st- 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 stockholder meeting and open your mouth if you have the druthers. I, it seems like likely to do that, but you know I don't have a lot of sausages to be throwing around. So Now, the Dan, the Ige, and a Korean zombie fight, which I said I was going to talk about as well. That whole fight, that whole oofsie last night, you know how I watched it? I hung out with my family, watched some stand-up comedy with the wife, watched the, uh, wrote a Substack, the new one about Father's Day, got, got in the bathtub, which is part of my medical treatment. Don't bull, don't, uh, I'm not going to talk shit about it. It seems to be working. I'm actually able to eat now. Gained a couple pounds. Yeah. The whole fight. It was it was mad to the extreme. Now Steph was, and we did the care don't care this morning. Steph was pretty hyped up, and they said oh, it was much better than expected. I can say that about so much of life. Doesn't mean it was good. I might get a spoonful of poop and go. You know what? That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Doesn't mean it was good. Okay, yeah, Ige e was uh, was my uh, was my pick. Uh, I got zeroed out on my picks, but I only had two cares on the card to begin with. Okay, Jean Giroba was an exciting fight, and it was another arm break. I could stomach this arm break versus Paul Craig and Hill from last week, but because it was a belly down arm bar, and I was like, when even the tap? Arm was broken, but I didn't have to see it, so I could live with it. It was two cares this past week. Next week, uh, next weekend, which is another, uh, if I can't remember the headlining fight, it means it was slack. But Steph's enthusiasm was off the charts for this one. So I think I actually am putting that four picks. But generally, generally, I'm like, I'm kind of soft on it. I'm soft on this next week. And the fact that I can't remember who's headlining without some notes is, is a sign. But you know, they were talking about uh, Matt Brown, like some of you were texting me, like which I watch, and I love that, you know, uh, like Matt Brown, this is like for the old dudes. And I said, yeah, you know you know what? Yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're right. The friend of mine, uh, she dated this guy that everybody thought was gay. And I mentioned this on, on, on Care Don't Care, and I think I made everybody uncomfortable, but we're at the show stopping out. So... I don't expect you guys, like I said, I've been doing this for 40 years, 41 years now. Haven't pissed anybody off to the extent that I got canceled. So let's go through it. So she's dating this guy. Everybody thinks the guy is gay. 
he he's bringing her to family gatherings and people are like, oh my goodness, we're so happy to see you. We thought he was gay. <laughs> so they, you know, she's like, oh, it's ridiculous. So he had a couple of weird asks. One of the asks were that he wanted her to dress up like a pirate. I'm not fucking kidding. Whatever. People do in the privacy of their own bedroom, cosplay, whatever they want to do. They got the way that, fine. You do what you got to do. Okay. So they're having sex dressed as pirates. And in the middle of the sex, he stops and looks at her and says, how gay is this? And that's when she was like, fuck, he's gay. And she was right. You know, he ended up, you know, I mean, it took, it was a process. He had to go through it, whatever, you know, she at that point. So when Matt Brown paced this guy at Lima, with nice straight right, gets up in the camera, how's that for 40? I was like, oh, oh, you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. How gay is that? You just undid all the great things you did, you know? Nobody's focused on your age at that point. Why, why, why does the Oxbow book its next tour and go, guess what? We're 60. <laughs> you think Anthony Kiedis is running around, we're 60-year-old. This is the 60-year-old dude tour. <laughs>